Welcome to all those joining us for Chaim Aran. We're continuing in the section, Mailas Hamiskar Elov, the great privilege and benefit of those who come close to Rabbeinazal. And we're up to paragraph Shin 300 in this section. Rav Nelsonzal writes that once when Rabbeinazal was traveling, from a city where one of the people who had a little bit of a connection to Rabbeinazal had passed away, this person did not, when Rabbeinazal moved to Breslov for the last eight years or so of his life, this person did not come to him at all. It was only during the two years that Rabbeinazal spent in the city of Zlatopolia, this person had a little bit of a connection to Rabbeinazal. And this person passed away there in that city of Zlatopolia. And he, he passed away with a very good name. People respected him a lot. And Rabbeinazal said, look at this. Even a person who has contact with me with his little finger, you, it's incredible. You, you cannot evaluate what kind of a, a major positive effect it has on that person's life. Because this person wasn't close to me really that much, just a little bit, Mavish, a little bit of a little bit. As all of you know and saw, you saw that once I moved from Zlatopolia, he never came to me. And yet look at the incredible good name that he left behind. Everybody praises him that he was a person who was always, always connected to Hashem and thinking about Hashem all the way till when he passed away, and other very, very great praises that they said about him. And Rabbeinazal commented on this, that even a person who has the slightest contact with me, that person will have tremendous benefit from it eternally. Now, the next paragraph, Shinala 301, Rabbeinazal writes, I heard from one of Rabbeinazal's followers that he said that Rabbeinazal once spoke to him about the incredible power of the Eight Sahara, the evil inclination. And Rabbeinazal said, I know your Yet Sahara. And Rabbeinazal said, if, if they were to extract your Yet Sahara from you, they would see pipes full of blood and the whole world would be full of blood. And even, even when you'll become good religious people, you need a tremendous privilege to be able to understand the powerful Sahara that you have. Only I really understand it and, and know that your Sahara. We know the Gemara says a famous statement in the Gemara, that whoever is on a higher level than another person, the one on the higher level has a higher level Yetzirah. So what happens is that if a person is to come close to a true tzaddik, obviously that person, that puts the person on a completely different level and, and they give that person also a different Yetzirah also to deal with.
The next paragraph, 302, Rav Nosanzal says, I heard it said over in the name of Rav Nosanzal that Rav Nosanzal once said, every one of my followers will definitely achieve in this world what they're supposed to achieve. They'll get to where they need to get to. And Rav Nosanzal said, Hashem doesn't do this to me ever to take one of my people in middle, when he's still in middle of his work, meaning that each and every single one will live and, and dig and work until he gets to the level he's supposed to get to in this world for which the person was created. And this statement is something that's well known in Breslov, that, that again, Rabbi Nassau gave a certain assurance that each one of his followers, anyone who will have a real connection to Rabbi Nassau, that the person will be assured that they won't leave the world without completing and accomplishing what they're supposed to complete and accomplish in this world. The next paragraph, Shin Gimel 303, Rabbein Azal said regarding any person who came to see him, that every time a person was to be in Rabbein Azal's house, and every time that the person looked at Rabbein Azal, that does not go lost at all. We know that in chapter four in Likud Imran, Rabbein Azal defines the requirements of coming close to a tzaddik, and one of them is coming to the tzaddik and seeing the tzaddik. That's considered one of the major three parts of the connection to the tzaddik. So this alone, a person traveling and coming to the tzaddik and looking at the tzaddik, that alone leaves an indelible imprint on the person and, and it doesn't go lost. We'll do one more paragraph and then we'll take questions. The next paragraph, 304, Rav Zal says, I heard in the city of Lipovitz that Rav Zal was speaking to his followers in that city. And he said to them, do you know how to do tshuva? Would, would all of your days and all of your efforts, you think it would be enough to repair one, one set of damage that you caused, it's just that I do tshuva on your behalf. And I do have the ability to correct everything, all the damage that you've done till now. However, one thing I request of you is that from here on in, don't repeat those mistakes. Don't continue on that same path. And even from today onwards, I'm not that concerned about these shagogos, about things that you do by mistake. A person didn't know that they weren't allowed to do this. They didn't know that this was a sin. It's just that uh, be careful not to commit any sins intentionally, things that you know are wrong and go ahead and do it anyway, chas v'shon. And Rav Nosanzal says that Rav Nosanzal spoke about this a great deal. And this again shows the incredible love and the love that the tzaddik has for those that are close to him and the level of responsibility 
that the tzaddik takes upon himself, that Rabbi Nassau made it perfectly clear that I will work to do some of what's needed, what you should really be doing in the tshuva process. A person learns different forum that speak about tshuva, and they, 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 they make it they make it clear that it's not easy. It's not easy for a person to repair a past that a person lived where they weren't living properly. And even just to correct one sin that a person committed, that alone could be very difficult. And Rabbein Hassel made it perfectly clear that he's aware of this, that he knows and understands exactly what we've done and the damage that we've caused. And Rabbein Hassel said, I have the ability and the right to do tshuva on your behalf, and I can fix everything, all the damage you've done till now, on condition. One request that I have is that from here on in, try to be good. And, and again, try to be good, meaning especially do not commit any sins intentionally. And if there are mistakes that you make, even that, the close, the, the proper connection to the tzaddik, the tzaddik has the ability <coughs> to be able to repair those things. Any questions? Shin Hei, 305. Dustin, sorry, yes. there's a question in the chat, please. How is it possible for one person to do tshuva on behalf of another? How is it possible for Moshe Rabbeinu to pray for Hashem to forgive the Jews for the, the sins that they did. We know the Gemara says that when a person has a crisis, when a person has a, a someone in their house that's sick, the person should go to a Chacham, and the Chacham should be mispalel on their behalf. So this is a very important concept throughout Judaism, that the Jews would go to Moshe Rabbeinu, they would go to Yeshua, they would go to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yechoi, they would go to Chaini Amago. There are hundreds of stories in the Torah where a person went to a tzaddik and asked the tzaddik to be mispalel on their behalf, to pray on their behalf, to pray for anything, to pray for their spiritual needs and their physical, financial health, everything. And one of the most important functions of a tzaddik is the Rav writes the term Baal Tshuva. We usually use that word Baal Tshuva to refer to a person who's doing Tshuva for their sins. <clears throat> the term Baal means master. The master of Tshuva is the Tzaddik. The Tzaddik is the one who really understands what a mitzvah is, what a sin is. The Tzaddik is the one who really understands the damage that's caused by our sins and has the ability and the right to go in on behalf of those that are close to him and be able to make the tikkun. We've mentioned this story in the Gemara many times about Acher, a person who committed such terrible sins that the Gemara says we don't refer to him by name anymore. We call him Acher, the other one, chas and the Gemara says, when this person died, they had a big problem that he couldn't get into Gan Eden and he couldn't get into Gehenna either. And he was stuck. He couldn't go anywhere. And the Gemara shows how one of the tzaddikim, who was a student of his, Rabbi Meir, was able to succeed in getting him into Gehenna, in getting his rabbi into Gehenna, where he would serve his time and his tikkun would be complete. And then the Gemara says, another rabbi, Rabbi Yochanan, said, 
are we going to allow this? Are we going to allow this, the fact that people see smoke coming from the grave of Acher, implying that he's in Gehenna? He's one of our guys. Echod mechavarana. And the Gemara says that Rabbi Yochanan said, when I pass away, the smoke is going to stop. And it's going to mean that I succeeded in taking him out of Gehenna and leading him into Gan Eden. And the Gemara says, sure enough, when they eulogized Rabbi Yochanan, they said that the guards of Gehenna knew to get out of the way when Rabbi Yochanan came and said, he's with us. He doesn't belong here. What do you mean he doesn't belong here? We have a pet. His name is right here. I know, not interested. He's, with, he's coming with us. And the Gemara says, sure enough, he was successful. So Hitzadik has tremendous, tremendous power to be able to, to erase. There's a Pasuk. Rabbi Nizal quotes this in chapter 4 in Likutei Moran again. Hamas Melech Malachi Moves. The anger of Hashem sometimes results in angels of death. And a person who's a real Chacham, he has the ability to bring about a forgiveness. It's brought that the last letters of the Ish Chacham Yechaprena spell the word Moshe. A tzaddik like Moshe Rabbeinu. He's this Ish Chacham, that if the Kohen Gadol, remember the Kohen Gadol was able to be a messenger on behalf of Klal Yisrael, to do tshuva on our behalf, to bring karbonos and prayers and everything on behalf of the entire Jewish nation. And the Gemara says that the Talmud Chacham, the true Talmud Chacham, is more precious than the Kohen Gadol. What the Kohen Gadol can do, the Talmud Chacham can do that and more. Any other questions? Paragraph Shinhei 305. Rav Nosanzal says, I heard that Rav Nosanzal once was standing on Erev Rosh Hashanah after Slichas in the morning. We know that the Sfaradim start saying Slichas from Rosh Chodesh Elul. The Ashkenazim start from the Saturday night, the Moitzoi Shabbos, before Rosh Hashanah. <clears throat> Unless, if there aren't that many days, we start from the Saturday night before, a week before Rosh Hashanah. And every morning we say Slichas, and among, by the Svardim, the Slichas takes possibly close to an hour. The Ashkenaz version takes about a half hour, depending on the Shul Yidavanin. Some Shuls can do it in seven minutes or less, you know. I'm talking about a reasonable, normal pace. On Rosh Hashanah, on Erev Rosh Hashanah, though, there's a much longer slichas. And in Breslau, the slichas on Erev Rosh Hashanah usually takes approximately two hours, something like two hours. So Rabbi Nezal was standing with his followers after slichas, and he said on Erev Rosh Hashanah, and he said others would wish that their Rosh Hashanah could be like your Erev Rosh Hashanah, meaning that this two-hour slichas that we had together on Erev Rosh Hashanah, others would wish that their entire Rosh the two days of Rosh Hashanah, would be that powerful. And again, this is a well-known thing in Breslov. Those that have had the privilege of davening with Breslov Hasidim on Erev Rosh Hashanah know what I'm talking about. 
the Slichas on Erev Rosh Hashanah, especially in Uman, in the Kloiz, something very, very unique, a level of tefillah of a few thousand people davening together with such sincerity and such seriousness and such power. It's, it's something very, very awesome. Shem should help, we should be zeicher to experience it this year again. <clears throat> There's a war going on, Russia, Ukraine, the whole world is an incredible turmoil. And, and the whole world, and especially the breast of the Hasidim, are waiting for Rosh Hashanah. We're waiting for Erev Rosh Hashanah and Rosh Hashanah, those three days, which in certain ways are the most important three days of the entire year. The whole destiny of the year, the Gemara says, is determined on Rosh Hashanah, which begins from Erev Rosh Hashanah. <clears throat> this is a very important point. There are many people who are familiar with Breslov, with Breslov Sforum, with Rabbeinazal. And there are people who say that to be away for Rosh Hashanah is very difficult, or to be there for three days, to be away from my family for three days. What if I show up right before Rosh Hashanah? What if I show up an hour, a half hour before candle lighting, whatever it is, and, and the era of Rosh Hashanah, I do it on the plane or on a train or wherever I am in traveling. And it's very important to note that Rabbi Nezal, Rabbi Nezal, and the students afterwards put tremendous emphasis that it's a three-day three day event for everybody and especially for us. The era of Rosh Hashanah is extremely, extremely important and part of the process. The Slichas on Erev of Rosh Hashanah, the Hatoras Nedarim, the Shachris, the going to the Kever of, of Rabbeinazal on Erev of Rosh Hashanah, the Vidui. In recent years, there's been a joint Tikkun Akloli that thousands of people together recite Tikkun Akloli generally at 12 o'clock on Erev Rosh Hashanah in Uman, but that's something more recent. And the two days of Rosh Hashanah, that's, that's what's referred to as the Breslov Rosh Hashanah. It's the three days. And again, starting from the Slichos, and for those that can, starting from Chatzos, from midnight of the night before Rosh Hashanah. So you have those three nights, the night and, the night and morning and day of Erev Rosh Hashanah, the night of and, and day of the first day of Rosh Hashanah and the night and day of the second day of Rosh Hashanah. The next paragraph, Shin Vav 306. <clears throat> Rabbi Nosan says, I heard from someone who heard from Rabbi Nizal this very famous Breslov expression, Mein Fairo Vetchointluin Bismoshiach Vetkumen. My fire will continue to burn until Moshiach will come. And Rabbeinazal used a Yiddish word, shaintluin. The word tluin, those that know Yiddish well know, it means that not necessarily a steady fire, but a fire that rises and falls. It becomes stronger at times and weaker at times, like a flame sometimes but never extinguish, never extinguish completely. And this is really what we've witnessed over the past 200 years <clears throat> since, you know, from, from Rabbi Nezal's time, the rising and be, the becoming greater and smaller 
after Rav Nosenzal, after Rav Enazal passed away and Rav Nosenzal started teaching, his, his followers grew and grew, more people, hundreds of people that were coming at the time at different times. And then there were periods of time when it seemed like the, the light was almost going to be extinguished completely. There was a time that Rav Nosenzal was down to five students who were willing openly to consider themselves followers of Rabbeinazal, followers of the Breslov teachings. And we see recently, things are growing, expanding at a very quick pace, an, an incredible growth that's taking place in the number of, of the ingrowth within the Breslov community itself. Children being born every day, bar mitzvah, weddings, Nahara, tremendous quick expansion, new shuls being built, new communities evolving. Constantly, Baruch Hashem, new sparim, new commentaries on the Kutimran and other sparim coming out every single day, Baruch Hashem. The next paragraph, Shin Zion 307, Rabbi says, I heard it said over in the name of Rabbi Nezal, <clears throat> that Rabbi Nezal said, for myself, I don't really need to be in the world. For myself, I, I've come to the world to bring people close to Hashem. However, I cannot accomplish that. I cannot help people come close to Hashem unless a person comes to me and tells me what they're lacking. Then I have the ability to repair that person with a level of repair that no one else could accomplish the level of repair that I'm able to accomplish. Shimches 308, <clears throat> Rabbi was once talking to a very simple person, a person who wasn't a major Talmud Chacham, a major Oyved, and Rabbi Nezal said, you have the ability to inspire even a great person, a person on a very high level, to inspire them and motivate them to reach new heights in serving Hashem. Because a small, a little match, a match, a little piece of wood that we use as a match, can light a large, large piece of wood. And in Yiddish, Rabbein said, a spendele can a klotz unter zinden. A spendel is something like the size of a pin. A thin little match can, can ignite a thick, large piece of wood. And Rav Nosanzal adds, we find the Gemara says in Tainus, page 7, why are the words of Torah compared to wood? Eitz chayim, a tree, <clears throat> to tell us that just like a small piece of wood can light something large, so too the words of Torah have that kind of a nature, that sometimes you can have a person who doesn't seem to be a great person, and they can affect and inspire and motivate even great people. There's the famous story that's known in Breslov, that in Poland, there were two great rabbonim who used to come to shul three o'clock in the morning, every morning to learn. One of them was Reb Motcha Sokolover, 
who was a dayon, a very, very high level, very learned rabbi that was respected by hundreds, maybe thousands of people, and a close friend of his. <clears throat> and one, one day, they saw a man walk into the shul at that time, three o'clock in the morning, and walk past them and sit down in a corner on the, on the floor and, and davening and tears streaming down his eyes. And they looked at him and they were wondering, wow, who knows what kind of a suffering, what kind of problem, what kind of crisis this person has. And then they saw it again and again. <clears throat> and they spoke to the person and they said, what, what happened to you? What what's going on? <clears throat> and he said, I just returned from a trip. I traveled, I believe he said he traveled to the city of Berdichev. And there he met a group of Breslavers. And he spent some time with them. And he said, they inspired me tremendously. They spoke to me about the fact that today we don't have the Beis Hamikdash. And during the time that the Jews had the Beis Hamikdash, we witnessed miracles daily there and, and the level of closeness to Hashem. And they inspired me to such a level that this is motivating me every single night to get up at midnight and to come and to say the special tefillos of Tikkun Chatzos, and these people were listening to him, and he was speaking with such a pure sincerity that they looked at each other and they said, look who he is and look who we are. Look how he feels. He feels the absence of the Beis HaMikdash, and, and we don't. And he actually turned them on. They began looking into the Sforum, the Breslov Sforum, and they became two outstanding Breslov Hasidim, this Ramot Chasokolover and his friend. Through this, Reb Nochum Shuster, his name was, Reb Nochum the Shoemaker. Any questions? The next paragraph, Shin Tes 309, Rabbein Azal said, the true tzaddik has the ability to do incredible favors for a person <clears throat> even after the person passes away. This refers to uh, even after the tzaddik passes away and, and leaves the world. This is for someone who comes to the tzaddik for a tikkun. And Rabbi Nassau said, the main obstacle that, that prevents this from happening is <clears throat> is those people, the, the people that try to influence a person not to go to the true tzaddik for a tikkun. And they confuse the person. They try to convince the person that he's not really a tzaddik. And Rabbi Nassau said that when a person leaves the world, they're also <clears throat> among the angels, the destructive angels, there are misnagdim. There are those who oppose the tzaddikim, just like in this world. <clears throat> and therefore, the most important thing is for a person to make up their mind very, very solidly that they're not going to allow themselves to be convinced otherwise. They're not going to allow anyone or any force in existence to convince them <clears throat> to stay away from the true tzaddik, but rather that the person will insist on going to the tzaddik. And if the person does insist, they cannot hold him back. 
then they will allow him. And Rabbi Nassau went on to say <clears throat> that there also a person needs chizuk of emuna in the tzaddik. And this is when Rabbi Nassau told the story, <clears throat> we mentioned this several months ago, about a story that occurred in Eretz Yisrael <laughs> regarding the great tzaddik Reb Mendela Mivitebsk, who was one of the ones who led a pilgrimage of the students of the Baal Shem Tov, who left Polish Russia and, and, and emigrated to Eretz Yisrael. And they lived in Tveria, and they're buried in Tveria today. Remendel Vitebsk and some of the other students of the Baal Shem Tov, and the story, we'll try to tell it over briefly now, one of his students <clears throat> had passed away, and he was a businessman during his life. And he passed away, and he, it, it appeared to him as if he was still living in this world. And he was on a wagon making a business trip <clears throat> to go to a, a particular city where there was going to be a big market and do business. And he was with the, a wagon driver and other people who would accompany him on the business trip. And suddenly he felt, felt a deep urge to go see his Rebbe. And he said, you know, I really, I know we're on this very important business trip, but I'd really love to go see my Rebbe. And they said to him, what are you, crazy? You know, we're all, we spend so much time getting organized for this trip. We can't cancel the trip now. We can't make any detours now. Forget about it. <laughs> and this happened several times until at one point he insisted, no matter what, that he wants to. And once he did that, they couldn't lie to him anymore. So they told him, you should know that you're dead. You've passed away. <clears throat> And you're in the Olam Hatoyu now. You're in a place where it's possible for, the, for them to make believe that the person is still continuing to live in this world, even though they're not. So he said, then almost, then much more so, I insist, I want to go see my Rebbe. And they, they were forced to allow him. And at the time, Remendel Vitebsko was already in Eretz Yisrael. And this person, this Mishama, who had already passed away, came in. And when Remendel of Itepska saw, he got so shocked, he fainted by seeing this person who already died. But then he, he was revived, and Remendel Itepska spent time, a few days, whatever it took, to be able to repair this person's neshama, to allow him to be able to come to his permanent resting place. But Rabbein is showing that even after a person passes away, they need chizuk and this is why it's a custom in Breslov that when a person passes away at the Levaya, at the funeral, right before they put the body into the ground, somebody approaches the, 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 the person and they say, you should know that you're a mess. You should know that you're no longer living. You're dead. And go to the tzaddik. Go, insist on going to the tzaddik. And we, we know that this helps that the, the, the mess, the person who passed away can hear. And, and this is one of the ways to remind the person, to make sure that the person, if the person had a connection to the tzaddik during their lifetime, they should know that that's what I want. I, I want to go see my lawyer. I want to go see the tzaddik, who if there's anyone that can help me, he's the one that can help me. The next paragraph, Shin Yud 310. 
Rabbein Azal said, how many tselem elekim, how many souls, and Rabbein Azal used the term tselem elekim, how many divine images, because we know that a, a soul, a Jewish soul is created in the image of Hashem. How many tselem elekim were lying in filth that I succeeded in taking them out of the filth and out of the mud that they were lying in. And, and thanks to my efforts, they were zerchah to come close to Hashem to a level of closeness where they don't even have to be embarrassed in the presence of great tzaddikim. That's the level that Rabbi Nezal was able to elevate them. Because Rabbi Nezal points out, we, we saw with our own eyes that people that, Rabbi Nezal said, that people that come close to me, their face changes completely. And they, they get a new face, a Jewish face, a tselem alakim, a, a, a divine image. And Rabbi Nezal went on to say that by me, there are people whom I don't know if the lowest, if they would rate being able to get into the lowest level of Gehenna, which is called Shoel Tachdias. The Gemara says there are seven levels of Gehenna, one lower than the other, and the lowest one is Shoel Tachdias. Rabbi Nezal said that the, some of these people who have come to me, the Shoel Tachdias wouldn't be a good enough punishment for them that if it were possible to dig further down, they would belong even further down than that. And thanks to their closeness to me, Baruch Hashem, they were able to be inspired and motivated and come close to Hashem to such a level where they don't even have to feel embarrassed and ashamed in the presence of great tzaddikim. The next paragraph, 311, Rabbi Nezal said, I have the ability to make beautiful things, beautiful kalim. But the problem is that I, I even have to make the tools to make the kalim, implying the level of work that's required that, that a, a tzaddik has to go through in order to be able to help Klal Yisrael. Now, as you would think, that if we want a person to repair something, at least the person is given the tools, a workshop that they need, and then you can bring them broken things and they repair it. But when it comes to the tzaddikim, very often they're the ones who have to create the tools that are going to be used to be able to repair these broken souls. The next paragraph. Three hundred and twelve, Rav Nosanzal said, "With the smallest one of our Rav said, with the smallest one of our followers, that person will experience in this world things that even some of the great leaders of today don't experience." And this is a very, very important point. Rav Nosanzal was once asked. 
who is considered on a higher level, a, a small person who attaches himself to the tzaddik, or a much greater person, but who's not attached to the tzaddik. And Rav Nassim response was that when the Jews were building the Mishkan, or the Beis HaMikdosh, if anyone brought ingredients to Moshe Rabbeinu, what they brought was included in the Mishkan. If they didn't, it wasn't. So we see that the, the small person who's connected to the tzaddik can very often have advantages, major advantages, over someone who's on a much higher level, but doesn't have that same connection to the tzaddik. We know that when it comes to truma, there is a certain holy type of food called truma, which only the kohanim are allowed to eat. If a non-kohen eats or drinks truma, they, they get a death, a death penalty from heaven. The kohen is allowed to eat it, the kohen's wife, children, the kohen's servants, the kohen's animals are allowed to be fed truma. Whereas a Yisrael, who could be a, a great person, if that great person eats the truma, they broke, they crossed the red line, they committed a major sin. And this is one of the examples where we see that at times, a person who's attached to the tzaddik can have tremendous advantages over somebody who in certain respects seems to be far greater, but they don't have that connection to the tzaddik. We'll, we'll do the next paragraph and then we'll take questions again. Paragraph Shinyud Gimel 313. Rav Nosanzal says there was a story with one of Rabbeinazal's followers, Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac, that Rabbeinazal saw a vision where there were groups, groups of people gathered around and they were all trying to push to hear a special Dvar Torah that was being said. And they said to someone, you say Torah. And he went ahead and said a Dvar Torah. And Rabbi Nezal said, I heard the Dvar Torah. And it was beautiful. It was something very, very special. And Rabbi Nezal said, I'm a connoisseur on Torah. And Rabbi Nezal says, it seems that Rabbi Nezal said he never heard anything like this. So Rabbi Nezal asked, is that neshama, is that soul that said this Torah, is it in, in, the, in the physical world? And they showed him that neshama, and he sent for him, and whatever happened, happened. Before Pesach, this Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac, who was one of Rabbi Nezal's followers, had a dream, and he dreamed that whole Dvar Torah, and he came and told it over to Rabbi Nezal, with incredible awe, incredible awe, and then he left. And Rabbi Tzok Isaac fainted afterwards, and then a short while later, he passed away. Rabbi Nachman Shirin, who was the one who organized the Sefer Chaim Aran from Rabbi Nassim's writings, he writes that I heard once <clears throat> that Rabbi Nezal's followers 
were express, expressing how, how terrible they feel about the loss of this special tzaddik, Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac, who was very close to Rabbeinazal, and Rabbeinazal consoled them, and he said, but now we have Rabnasan, referring to Rabnasanzal, and implying that Rabnasanzal would fill that gap that was left by the loss of this great Rabbi Yitzhak Isaac. Vessel, we have a question in the chat, please. The question in the chat, what did we mean when we said Rabbi Nizal is forced to make the vessels by himself, not the vessels, the machines. I gave an example, let's say a workshop, a carpenter who fixes, who repairs all kinds of wooden things, furniture, tables, chairs, anything made out of wood, that, that, that breaks can be brought to this carpenter and he'll repair it. Or a metal worker, a blacksmith, who again, any type of a metal steel item that's broken or that's that needs kind of a repair can be brought in to repair it. But usually we know that the carpenter or this blacksmith didn't have to make the machines. He didn't have to make the saw. There's a factory that makes the saws and the machinery that the carpenter uses to do this repair work. Rabbi Nezal said, not only do I have to do the repairs, but I have to make the machines myself. Implying again, how difficult is the work of a tzaddik that, that the tzaddik has to create the machinery that's used to repair the broken vessels. Not just to repair the broken vessels, but but to, to create the machinery that's needed to do it. When an example of that Rav Nassim be like the revelation of Tikkun Kleli, for example? Possible, possible. The, the Tikkun Kleli, the secret, although the chapters of Tehillim themselves, David Amelech is the one who who David HaMelech and nine other tzaddikim are the ones who produced the Sefer Tehillim. Rabbi Nezal discovered the formula, the exact formula of the Tikkun HaKloli that could serve as a general Tikkun that could repair any type of, any type of sin. Question in the chat, what is meant by the machinery? When I, when I find out, I'll let you know. Rabbi Nezal is obviously referring to the work of the greatest of tzaddikim, who are involved in repairing souls. And again, this doesn't mean physical machinery. I'm giving an example that just like in the physical world, to repair wooden things or metal things or things like that, there are machines that are used to do it. To repair souls that are damaged and broken or to repair the damage that's committed by sins that we commit, where we cause damage to different spiritual worlds, the tzaddikim are the ones who are involved in repairing that, but again, they have to prepare the utensils, the machinery, the, the, the kalim that are used to be able to do the repair. The next paragraph.
Tafkin Yudalit 312, Rav says, I heard it said over in the name of Rav that he said, the smallest one of my followers, I lead him on a path of very great tzaddikim of today's times. And, and those tzaddikim can envy the smallest of my followers. How much more so a person who lends a hand, who extends a hand to help me, how much more so that person <clears throat> is, is someone to be envied. And here, just to, to give an example, on, in a sense, on our level, the concept of hispoidus that Rabbi Nizal taught and stressed to all of his followers about speaking to Hashem for an hour a day in your own words. This is something which many rabbis and leaders hear about and heard about, and they would consider it completely impossible. They couldn't imagine that a person can speak, a person today in today's times can speak in their own words, write their own script, their own prayer, speak to Hashem for 60 minutes. There are people that try it for five minutes and, and can't do it or struggle in doing it. And, and the, 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 another example, getting up for chatzois, getting up at midnight on a regular basis and saying the special prayers, the special tefillahs of Tikkun chatzois. In most religious communities, it's unheard of. People know, people assume that this is something that hundreds of years ago, there were great tzaddikim that did this. But in today's times, in the 1900s, in the 21st century, no such thing just about. And, and in Breslov, we see that there are teenagers. Now we're in the period of Bain Hasmanin, when most yeshivas, high schools and post-high schools, this is considered to be an in-between period from Tishabov till Rosh these three weeks or so approximately, where the yeshivas are closed. <clears throat> and most yeshiva students use this time to air out, to go on trips, to enjoy a little bit more of that kind of thing, enjoy the pleasures of the materialistic world a little bit more, hopefully within the framework of kosher, of course. But in Breslov, we've seen hundreds, hundreds, maybe more, maybe it's a few thousand today of teenagers that use the Beinazmanin as an opportunity where when they're in their standard yeshivas during the year, they have to daven shachris with the yeshiva at 7 o'clock, 7.30, 8 o'clock, some of them. But Beinazmanin, I can come to Nates. I can get up for Vesik and I can come with my father to Nates. And, and many of them have organized groups of getting up for chatzois, getting up midnight, whether it's every night or several nights a week, and going to Kivrei Tzadikim to be mispalo there. And in terms of hispoidus, many of these young men and others, and women, some of them, are having hispoidus 20 minutes, a half hour, 60 minutes a day on, on a regular basis. And again, we know that in the big world, in the big world, there are many people that are, that can't imagine being able to do this. And this is obviously the inspiration and the motivation coming from Rabbeinazal. Any questions?
The next paragraph, 315, speaks about Reblipa. <laughs> Reblipa was a person who was one of Rabbeinazal's early disciples from the city of Nemerov, where Rabnasenzal and Rabnaftolizal came from. And it's, it's not coincident that we're mentioning him. Today is the 19th of the month of Av. Today is the yard site of Rabnaftoli Rebihuda, who was one of the closest students of Rabbeinazal. Him and Rabnasenzal were close friends even before they met Rabbeinazal and remained close friends throughout the eight years that they spent with Rabbeinazal. And years later, there was also an important connection between them. Rabnaftolizal lived in Uman. Rabnaftolizal didn't. Rabnaftolizal lived in the city of Breslov, other places. <clears throat> and and they, both of them were, were inspired to come to Rabbeinazal because one of their close friends, this Reblipa, who was also from Nemerov, had gone first during the month of Elul, had gone for Slichas to Breslov. A new rabbi had come to town, Rabbeinazal had come to the city of Breslov, and Rabbeinazal went to say Slichas with Rabbeinazal, and he came back and they saw a major change in his davening, in his whole, whole feeling of Yiddishkeit. And this inspired them to go check out this new rabbi, which resulted in a deep, permanent connection to Rabbeinazam. And this Reblipa ended up leaving. So Rabbeinazam, and, and then he left for a while, and then he came back once on Cholomoyed Pesach, about a year, a little over a year before Rabbeinazam passed away. And Rabbeinazam said to him that if years go by and a person doesn't increase his closeness to Hashem, his Yira Shemayim, he stays in the same place. And even if the person fall, they, they, they drop, they, they go down a level from where they were before. If the person is close to a true tzaddik, that closeness <clears throat> is invaluable. It's still invaluable. And the person needs to know that if they weren't close to the tzaddik, they would have fallen much further down. They would be much, much worse. And then Rabbi Nassau went on to say, the roads, the roads demand <coughs> their customers, meaning that a person who would travel to a tzaddik and they stop traveling, the roads themselves, they mourn the fact that these people who used to use these roads to travel to the tzaddik, and now they don't. And he, he quoted a, a medrash, the medrash Echa, that speaks about darke tzioin avelois, the paths leading to Yerushalayim mourn. They are in mourning. They mourn over the fact that we no longer have the Beis Hamikdash, and the Jews used to travel on these paths, no longer travel. <clears throat> and so too, those who travel to the true tzaddik, when they stop, <clears throat> Again, these roads <clears throat> mourn because they yearn that people should use them to travel to the true tzaddik. And Rabbi Nassau commented, I'm amazed how a person could leave such a wonderful chabura, such a wonderful beloved group like this. 
if during the time that the person was part of that group, if during the time that the person left, they dropped in their Yiddishkeit, they weren't doing that well, then of course it's obvious that they lost out a lot. But even if the person supposedly was continuing to pray with Kavana and to learn and to do mitzvahs, how much better off would the person have been if they would have been able to take their learning and their davening and mitzvahs and put it together with the group? And others would also be able to benefit from it through your Torah and your mitzvahs. And Rabbi Nezal said to this Rablipa, more than this, <clears throat> I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how much you lost out on the time that you weren't here. And if you'll start coming again now, you'll realize, you'll regret the, the time that you lost out on. We'll hold it over here for now. Again, we mentioned the today's the yard site of Rav Naftali Zal, He outlived Rav Zal. He lived 15 years. Rav Zal passed away at the age of 65, and Rav Naftali Zal lived to the age of 80. They were both similar age. And uh, he had, after Rav Zal passed away, Rav Naftali Zal also had some students, nothing like Rav Zal, but also remained loyal and devoted to Rabbein Azal, the Rosh Hashanah, keeping up the Rosh Hashanah and, and other good things. We should be zoicha that these chusah, that tzaddikim, should help us, we who are living in this generation called Hastorah Shebetoy Hastorah, where the, the darkness, that the Gemara tells us, the darkness before the coming of the Mashiach is going to be worse than any kind of darkness we had before. We should be zoicha that Mashiach should come and take us out of this darkness. And, and see the light of the third and final Beis Amikdash from here, Amen, Amen.